everybody. Welcome to episode 55 of the Snake in the Draft podcast. In this episode, it's going to be a self-reflection episode. I'm going to be breaking down my top hits and misses over the 2020 season. This will be mainly, for, I guess, a dynasty and redraft perspective, uh, you know, because I, I almost 100% focus on dynasty content and just really, I just find dynasty fascinating. So with these, you know, like, yeah, some of the players that were misses or hits would be misses or hits for redraft as well, but doesn't really matter for this discussion. So we're going to call it Top Hits and Misses in Dynasty for the 2020 season. Before I get into the episode, I want to tell everyone about the Snake of the Draft Patreon, which I bet most of y'all have heard about. If you're looking for more Dynasty content as well as a community all about Dynasty Fantasy Football, which is over on Discord, please become a Patreon member. For just $1 a month, you can get all of my Patreon articles, podcasts, my Superflex hit rate data, and any other info that comes from that project. For $3 a month, you can receive my Start to Tight End Superflex rankings, which my plan is to post them by the end of the week and update them every month. Lastly, I do have two tiers where you can do a one-on-one chat over one or more than one of your Dynasty teams. The goal of the Snake of the Draft Patreon is to talk about strategy, player values, and much more. Uh, you can go to my Twitter account or to the show notes to find the link to the Snake of the Draft Patreon. So now to my top hits and misses. So if you've been following me on Twitter for quite a bit, you obviously know who I'm going with for my top hit. It is Logan Thomas. I actually had a post back in June, the end of June, about how Logan Thomas was a great ad. And I mainly focused on start two tight end and deep tight end premium leagues uh, just because those were leagues that I was like, man, you really got to get him just because he was already shown to be projected to be the starting tight end for Washington back in, in that time. It was actually posted on Sleeper is where I found it. And, you know, in Dynasty... You, you, I mean, uh, having the starter for QB and tight end is half the battle. Like, really, like, having the starter on a team at QB or tight end is just so helpful to have. And, I mean, we saw what he did this year. He actually played really well. He was tight end four on the year. And his workout matrix are actually pretty well as well. And he was honestly a top tight end prospect coming out of uh, high school, it was. And then they made him a QB, and then he stayed a QB, then he switched. If you know his story, you know, it's pretty pretty interesting right there and so you know Logan Thomas is just one of those guys that definitely was happy about and and I also want to talk about like the process on why I think a player like Logan Thomas becomes a must add and really it's just the ambiguity of a situation you know you have wide receiver and Terry McLaurin and then at that time it was still Darius Geis and Dwayne Haskins was the projected starter so you know who do you have as the wide receiver too yeah maybe Steven Sims uh you know Harmon and then you have Logan Thomas over there so why not add the guy who can become that top-end dude and become the, quote, wide receiver two on that team, which he ended up doing. He actually had a great season. Uh, I do want to do, like, a side note on this about, you know, I actually had another guy that I am i can't be quite as happy about, but Robert Tanyan, you know, started getting some love back in, I think it was August. And so back uh, September 3rd, I did a post about adding Logan Thomas, Robert Tanyan, and uh, I don't mention this to anybody. I just told people to pick up Dan Arnold. Uh, if he's still on your team, drop Dan Arnold. I'll talk about him and and actually after I talk about Tanya. But Tanya was another guy that, you know, who's the wide receiver two on that team? Don't really know. Lazard, maybe. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Like, it was very, you know, you don't really know a whole lot about what's going on. And so Robert Tanya, whenever it started getting talks about him being the guy to add on that team, especially because it looked like he was going to start over Jay Sternberger, just made all the sense in the world. And so I ended up adding him to all my start to it. I did deep tight in premium leagues. 
I uh, was able to trade him for, I think, or actually no, it was Dalton Schultz for Irv. But, you know, you could have done that same trade even back then. And I like Irv over Tanya and even now. So those are like some guys that you just look at it and you're just like, that makes all the sense. Now, the reason Dan Arnold was an awful person to talk about related to adding was, first of all, his sample size was just tiny. He had like two or three games where he had enough targets to really make sense to look at. And he did awesome, which makes sense. If you get targets, you're going to do awesome. Also, he was like the fourth option on their teams. So he's not even a great ad from that perspective. and something I am going to work on. I do plan on, you know, looking for that next tight end next year. And I'll be looking very closely on who becomes in that ambiguous, ambi oh goodness, I can't speak. I'm going to keep this in there though. Ambiguous situation, because that's what we need to look for in most things. And I know that's something that late round QB talks about. Uh, JJ Zacharyson, he talks about it related to, you know, the guys who become league winners, especially at the running back position and wide receiver position, mainly running back though. But you know, those guys that are in the ambiguous situation, because it's important to know them. Uh, so yeah, Logan Thomas, number one, top hit the guy that just definitely happy with how well, and honestly surprised at how awesome of a season he had. And it's, he honestly performed way better than I ever thought. I thought, you know, a streamable tight end that, you know, could, could possibly finish as a, a high end tight end two, low end tight end one. And then he, lo and behold, it becomes the tight end number four overall. So now another tight end and honestly, a lot of this actually looking at it, it's actually uh, four out of the six people I'm going to talk about are tight ends. So uh, next one's a miss. And this is actually Darren Waller. He was a huge miss for me. And the reason was I just decided to completely ignore the talent of Darren Waller and just how awesome he was last year. And I literally was like, oh, I disagree about Darren Waller not going anywhere. He should be gone after, he could be gone after 2020 at zero dead cap after this year. So Moreau is a buy. What am I talking about? That makes zero sense. Like, like I'm just saying, oh, dead cap equals gone. That's that's not how the NFL works, and that's something I do need to to work on because it's just like it makes no sense to try to be like, oh, you know, let me, you know, get rid of this player just because he's he's cheap versus getting this player that's definitely a lower quality. When Waller is there, you know, he's there tight. He's their wide receiver one right now. Waller had 17.4 points per game in 2020, which was actually higher than Kelsey's 2019 points per game. Waller is a beast, and I was completely wrong. I have Waller right now as my tight end three in Dynasty, right behind Kelsey and Kittle, and actually in front of TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, and the like. So, yeah, definitely one of those things that uh, you have to look at it and decide when you're trying to make inferences of what you expect to happen versus what's, you know, most likely going to happen. So definitely I'm not fading Darren Waller. So now going into my next hit, it's actually calling Tyler Higby a bust compared to his ADP. So my first ever Snake in the Draft episode, which actually was a live stream way back in the day, was over Tyler Higby being overhyped going into the 2020 season. I really didn't like his small sample size and preferred tight ends like Hurst over him, which Hurst actually had a, a decent year. You know, it wasn't that top-end year like Austin Hooper had, but still decent. Uh, my hot take, which I'm not a hot take, dude. I just thought this would be funny to say, you know, Everett would outscore Higby in 2020, which was incorrect. That was not true. I do still like Everett as a potential tight end buy uh, before he ends up signing with the team, because I do expect him to sign with the team. But anyways, going back to Higby versus Everett, Higby scored three more points per game than Everett, which, you know, it's not that much difference. It was like eight points per game to five, and was tight end 17 on the year. So definitely not the year people were expecting, especially related to how he finished the year. And it was just a, a call for me related to sample size. And it's one of those things, could I have been wrong? 
100%. But to me, it increases my likelihood of hitting by fading players like Higby. And honestly, after this year, really noticing that going for the top three, maybe four, you know, Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, and Hawkinson. You know, those are probably the guys that I'd be looking at to get pretty early on in start in uh, startups and in redraft leagues. So, yeah, that's my next one now. Going on to another tight end. I love my tight ends. Everybody knows that if you've been following me on Twitter. And uh, my top miss, number two, buying Zach Ertz or saying Zach Ertz is a solid tight end option going into this year. I defended him so much, which I'm not saying like we need to quote defend players. It's it's more just like I was out there being like, oh, no, like he'll be fine, this and that. I really trusted Ertz to be a top five tight end throughout the season, especially with Wentz who, uh, you know, I also missed on and defended him as well. Uh, which, you know, early, like, middle of the season, I was like, yeah, yeah, he's he's not doing so great. I think Ertz shows how quickly players can fall off from being a top-end talent at the position, which may make you think I'm nervous about Kelsey, but screw that. Kelsey is the tight end one in Dynasty for me. He's honestly just been super healthy. Ertz has dealt with some injuries here and there, so I'm still all over the Kelsey train. I think he has at least one to two more years of the tight end one overall potential. And then even like three more years, not after that, but three to four total of being the a tight end one, a high end tight end one. But getting back on track, we really should be looking at players getting close to that age apex more. And this is something I'm going to be looking at more. And some players this offseason like Julio will probably be holds because they have no value versus others, you know, could potentially be sells. But honestly, most of these players, once they get to their age apex, you do have to like decide, am I going to, you know, trade away Julio Jones for a mid-second when I'm trying to compete? And honestly, to me, that doesn't sound like a good plan. I think Julio's still a great buy candidate, but at the same time, he is definitely getting to that age that, you know, he's just about to fall off cliff. And we need to think about that and decide, like, is this player going to, quote, die on my roster? And I think that's, that's, you know, a fine thing to do, especially if you're a contending team. So now, going to my last hit I'm going to talk about, it's actually David Montgomery. I was all over Montgomery at the start of the season, and I was super excited for him going into 2020. He did have a slow start, but finished as the RB4 overall in PPR leagues. If you had Monty in the playoffs, there's a good chance you made it to the finals and potentially won it all, as long as you didn't face Kamara. Uh, Monty benefited from Cohen missing the season, but RB4 is still very impressive to see. In Dynasty, though, I do see Montgomery as a mid to low RB2 in 2021 and beyond, which it honestly makes me sad. I feel like I'm stabbing in the back by saying, you know, eh, he's not that valuable. If anyone in your league is valuing Montgomery any higher than RB20, then I'd look to trade him away as soon as possible. Even though Montgomery is a hold candidate related to how people view him, uh, I, I had a plenty, I had a whole poll about Montgomery, and honestly, consensus was RB20. I have him ranked at RB20. It's just really hard to put Montgomery above RB20. Some people have put him up to RB12 and such, but to me, there's just so much up in the air, even though he had a very impressive RB4 finish, and definitely happy with how he produced this year, and definitely he was a great buy candidate, but now it's looking like, you know, I don't know how much I feel about Montgomery going into next year, and again, it sucks, and honestly, this next guy is another guy that I touted a lot, and he's my third miss I'm going to talk about, and that was the idea behind buying Mike Williams. I was actually really excited for Mike Williams going to 2020, especially with Herbert being the starter. I was I was thinking around week four or five and, you know, a punctured lung later and he was a starter. I think it was week two. But Williams was really a major disappointment this year. Williams was wide receiver 47 and had his worst fantasy football year. But honestly, it was only like one point per game lower, which isn't like too crazy. And uh, the main reason I'm disappointed is 
you know, he didn't really take a step forward this year and showed he was replaceable with, like, Guyton and Johnson stepping in. Also, Mike Williams is getting into that weird tier of, you know, he could be technically like a buy, hold, or a sell, depending on how your league views him. I would, you know, honestly, this is really tough for me because the more I think about this related to the idea behind Mike Williams going into his fifth year, like, is he going to be that fifth-year breakout candidate? Honestly, we should just go with no. You know, it's one of those things that it's just, it's it's tough. And honestly, I think he's going to end up being a bust at the end of all of it, which which sucks because, you know, he had one pretty solid season where he's like wide receiver 32, I believe, and he had all those touchdowns. But, like, it's just one of those things that, like, like especially, like, looking at hit rate data, you know, Williams is going to be that bust and moving for any 20-21 seconds. So, you know, after rambling for a while now, I would move Williams for any 20-21 second, try to get a reset for him. 2021 second round picks in Superflex leagues hit at a 37.5% rate, which is exponentially higher than Williams' chances being into his fifth year breakout. Also, like to give everyone some insight into the Superflex hit rate data that I have that you can get on my Patreon account. Mike Williams back in 2017 was a first round pick, which on average have a one time hit rate of 60%, which is having a wide receiver 30 season or better. Uh, so, well, for wide receivers drafted in the first round that don't hit after their first and second year, that percentage drops down to 31%. So, the only player I know of that had a fifth-year breakout is Devontae Parker. And even he didn't have a very big value increase after a contract. And, you know, sadly have to recommend move Williams for any 2021 second, which actually has a higher percentage hit rate than he even has after missing for his first two seasons. And honestly, it's even lower than that after, you know, three to four years. So just move for any 2020 second, which again, can you get that form right now? Probably not. It depends if the hype starts building. And it sucks whenever, you know, you're rooting for players and you you want you have them on, I think I have them on two teams now, made a trade for them later in the year. And honestly, it's just one of those things where you just got to make the trade and see if it'll happen. It's it's not perfect. It's not going to happen every time. And he could end up being a hold candidate and have a great end year in his fifth year. But honestly, I don't I don't really think it's worth it to try to hold out. So honorary mention of what could have been. One of my bigger misses for my fantasy teams, it's not like a fantasy miss per se, but it ended up really being Darius Geis. I had a lot of hope for Geis going into the season, but we quickly learned that you know he's really just a garbage human and does not need to be in the NFL Honestly, Geis is a good reminder of how random fantasy football is and how it is good to, you know, roll with the punches. Some other examples are Andrew Luck retiring or Antonio Brown's crazy situation uh, not too long ago. So things happen year in, year out. That's really just out of our control. So don't be too hard on yourself if, you know, like a league like falls apart or you have like multiple injuries. Like things happen. And that's one thing that it's it's important to remember, like just do the best you can and Honestly, a lot of getting the championship is is that luck, and, and that's when the playoffs start. Really, I think getting into the playoffs is not necessarily as much luck because you should, you know, focus on having depth, looking at the waiver wire, and just being smart about it. But in general, I think that you know, I, I guys, luck both drops. I'd give both of them less than a one percent chance of coming back to the league. So just just drop them if you need roster space. Sure, if you don't have anybody else to pick up, which you definitely do. You can pick up somebody that has an actual chance of doing something versus holding on to guys or luck. But sure, if you want to hold on to them, you can. But they are biggest drop candidates for me. And honestly, after the guys news, I dropped them on all my teams. I think I added them back on one team and I'm going to drop them back off because there's just no reason. No reason at all. So to finish up the episode, though, I do want to talk about aging running backs. 
So one thing I've been thinking about is how we value running backs. There's only really one year of stability left, but they're still like top in fantasy options. Like they're most likely going to be RB1s. And I'm talking about Zeke and Henry. So Zeke would cause a 10 million cap hit if he was cut after next season. So after 2021 and Henry would cause a 6 million cap hit if he was cut after this next season. Zeke after 2021 will be 27 while Henry will be 28 in 2021. As of now, I do prefer Henry to Zeke, but I would look to make moves for younger running backs like Swift, Dobbins, and Akers to name a few. I'd even take Clyde Evertz-Alaire over Zeke right now. Even though I don't expect Zeke to outproduce Clyde Evertz-Alaire in 2021, these moves are to think ahead in Dynasty. And now, you could argue, you know, contending and going for the championship in 2021. Should I make that move? I'd want something with Clyde Edwards-Alaire to move Zeke, you know, something like Clyde Edwards-Alaire in a high second in Superflex leagues, or maybe even I do Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Wentz for, or and and trade away Zeke for that. That'd be a trade I do pretty comfortably. So, it's one of those things where you do have to debate on how how important is the current year versus how important is it for the future. I think in Dynasty we need to think about the future way more, especially you know we talk about you know oh you're a contender this and that. But really, the trades that you make to be a contender should be very, very towards the end of the season and then during the playoffs, which is why there should be hashtag no trade deadline. Because making those moves when you're in the playoffs going for a championship is completely different than making those moves, you know, now. Because there was a trade I made, I trade away, it was a Stafford, Eckler, and what ended up becoming Dobbins for CMC and Hines. Which, you know, value-wise, the trade ended up, you know, working out pretty much. But still. I should have held on to those picks, should have held on to the players, and if I want to make that trade whenever the the season comes around, then I can do it then, or more towards the middle to the end of the season. So I definitely think that we need to focus on more the you know long-term thought process and not think so much one year, one year, one year. Um, I will say players like Julio that provide like one to two years can be a nice bridge because their value is not sky high. Even though Zeke, you know, he did finish his RB9 this year. And if Dak comes back, people are going to be putting him up, you know, RB. I think right now I have Zeke at RB12 in Dynasty just because, you know, yeah, one year, maybe two. But even after that, it's going to be it's going to be tough and his value is going to plummet. So if you can move him now, I don't think that's a crazy move, especially Henry. He's going to be 28 in 2021. So definitely after 2021, I mean. So think about it. It's one of those things that get out ahead. And if you can move Henry for someone like a Swift or a Dobbins, or something like that, I just could strongly, strongly recommend it. And again, the only reason I'd buy Zeke or Henry is if you can get them cheap, which is super likely is about a mid-2021 first, which you may think, that's not that cheap. Well, related to their production and the position, I do think that's pretty cheap for them because most people want an early first, if not multiple, one mid and one late first, if not more than that. So uh, thank you for giving this episode a listen. And I hope this was helpful in hearing my thought process and how I plan on improving how to find potential waiver ads with upside as well as players to buy and sell. Just to give a brief summary, you know, look for those positions and those situations that are not clear cut, that look like they could, you know, go one way or the other and add those guys and just stash them. And that's why I like deep leagues too, is you're able to stash more guys. And, you know, with Mike Williams' miss or Dave Montgomery's hip and not liking it as much, Always be flexible with these guys too. Don't don't take take lock. That's one thing I'm trying not to do. And uh, even like Logan Thomas, a lot of people are like putting him into top 12 status. And I'm just like, guys, even he has a lot of question marks going into this offseason. And uh, I think he'll be the tight end going into next year. So he can be a nice like vet tight end value. But then even after that, you know, 
some people would probably move him for Irv Smith Jr. because they're just forgetting how awesome Irv can be, especially as that young tight end stud. Maybe I'm maybe I'm off on that. No one's even thinking about it. But going into the year, you know, just just be be flexible. Go into the offseason, be flexible. Don't don't get take lock and just you know. Be the best fantasy player you can be. So if you're a new listener, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Snake of the Drop podcast or if you listen to podcasts. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's be snakes this offseason.